Hi, this is Web 37, a 137 p.m. Twitter space about all things NFTs and Web3. Hello, this is Erica Lee from 1.37 p.m. And welcome back to another episode of Web 37. Today, we are joined by Jeremy Fall, a restaurateur, celebrity chef, and entrepreneur based in Los Angeles. He joins us for a chat about his company, Probably Nothing, his pivot to tech from the hospitality industry, and why he decided to start his NFT project, Photosynthesis. Nothing, which is the account that I'm speaking of right now. Uh, we we started on Instagram and have now we're on Twitter. We're about to launch a TikTok, a YouTube channel. We actually have a TV show coming out um, in the next month or so as well, as well as a token gated website for people that, to have educational resources and um, you know the ability to learn about the space, right? Probably nothing, as everyone knows, is a term that was used a lot in the space. I came in early on and and you know really thought that it encompassed what the space is all about reminded me of my upbringing in the 90s when people were non-believers of the internet. So I thought that it was it was actually a term that was used in headlines about the internet in the 90s, which is which is kind of cool. So I really felt connected to that space uh, to that space, sorry, that term, sorry, being a being a 90s kid myself as well. So as soon as I started hearing about it, I was like this is a cool brand that I want to launch. I think it, it might be, you know, a little bit more approachable than calling something like, you know, NFT masters. I don't know if that's actually a real thing, so I apologize if it is, but like something like that that could have been a little bit more, um, you know, hard to connect to for people that aren't as deep in the space and being able to introduce people through a term that's a little bit more um, relatable that we can build a brand off of. Um, don't know who Jeremy Fall is yet. Um, and you started off your career as a restaurateur, and so you managed and owned over 14 restaurants, I believe. Could you tell us about that and how you pivoted to the space after? 100%. Yeah. So in my in my former life, I was a chef restaurateur and I'd opened, uh, yes, 14 restaurants across the country, uh, three and a half years and got my company acquired at the end of 2019. So right before the pandemic. So just like everyone else, you know, I, I had been, I had transitioned from a very high intensity lifestyle, being at my restaurants, flying over the country, making sure everything was good, and then sold my company and then turned around and I was essentially, you know, stuck at home, just like everyone else. Didn't know really what to do. But my strength was always in building brands. And I, I always used to tell people that, you know, for me, I wasn't trying to compete on being making the best pork belly in the world. But for me, food was more so of a conduit to conversation, bringing people together, having conversations about culture you know, mental health, whatever it was, and, and using it more as a unifier to build community. So when I when I was at home during the pandemic, I became more so a fan of the Web3 space, didn't really anticipate becoming a creator in it at all or, or really transitioning my career. I really still was in restaurant mode for the most part, had started a mental health podcast, and, and I was just, you know, I was like, just became a fan. And Eventually, I was like, wait, this is like very similar. Like a Discord is really like running a restaurant, right? You have like your kitchen is like your mods and your kind of technical aspect. You have angry customers that you have to, to schmooze and give a free glass of champagne at the bar because 
things are late or whatever it is. And it's really just like hosting communities, like hosting dinners or whatever it is. And I was just like, people are really connecting around art like they do around food. The big advantage here that I didn't have in my previous um, you know, work was I was limited to the four walls of what I could serve to people, right, in terms of food. Now I'm able to create ideas that people from all around the world can emotionally invest in. You know, there's a financial aspect, but, you know, when, when we look at these NFTs, like the, the vast majority, uh, from in my opinion, is even the people that invest to flip, there still has to be some level of an emotional connection to a certain extent in most cases. Like, do you still have to somewhat like the art? There has to be something that connects to you. So I looked at it as essentially translating what I was doing on, at a bigger scale and, and doing it around art. So I, I saw a lot of similarities and decided to just transition the career. I lucked out that at the same time is when the, that industry boomed. So a lot of the people that I was talking to that I knew from my previous you know, connections in, in restaurants and entertainment were like, hey, like, can you help me get into this? You know, brand celebrities, whatever it was, can you help me get into this the right way? So just like everyone else, you know, did a lot of research in the beginning and, you know, I feel like everyone at some point made mistakes, invested in the wrong projects, whatever it was, you know, I learned the hard way just like everyone. And then as time passed, I realized that people really needed some guidance and help. So that's how probably nothing came about to a credible source that, that is here to, to really kind of help filter through the noise. What an interesting metaphor Discord is like running a restaurant. It's so such a good comparison. And I guess if you want to compare it to other things, it is kind of like running a business, an NFT project as well. And so, um, or just a startup. And I think that, you know, you creating your own educational platform is really useful, especially for people who are curious about the space, don't know that much, but want to learn more. And so I think that's a great idea. You mentioned you have, you had or have a mental health podcast. Is that something that really inspired kind of the ethos of your NFT project? What you, um, the kindness, giving, mental health, wellness type um, values? Yeah, 100%. You know, so I, I had, I have a TV show um, called Beats for Breakfast with Miguel a musician and now um you know fan of the space as well it was a cooking show um still season one is still up cooking show where i would make a dish and he would make a song right and when we would talk about that concept to people at first they were like i don't understand how is this possible like what's the correlation i realized that a lot of people you know when they look at different mediums they look at them in a much more linear way right there's less of a of a um like of a I don't like the word holistic, but more of like a, a larger vision of like what they're, what they're connecting to. Right. And for us, it was more like about, you know, two crafts that people connect to coming together and just like, just connecting to conversation. Right. So I came up with this idea of doing a dinner party podcast that are called dinner party, no food whatsoever on the podcast. And people are like, why, how is this a dinner party podcast? I was like, well, you know, when you have dinners with people, what do you do? At the end of the dinner, you sit for an extra two, three hours with a glass of wine and just talk about a bunch of random shit, right? You just talk about random things, have conversations. A lot of times things get deep. People dig in a little bit more. And you really end up having these, these conversations where you can 
forge new friendships and relationships and our best memories are from those moments. So I created this this podcast where it was like, hey, let's have some intimate conversations. Mental health being very important to me. I, I, I've suffered from mental illness my whole life, anxiety disorder, depression, um, and actually a list of, of more, more um, issues as well. You know, I'm very pro-medication. And, and as a man, you know, it was something that was interesting because I, I, the way I grew up, I was never open about it. And I opened up about it, you know, a little bit later on. And I realized when I did that there was a lot of different people that wanted to as well. So instead of making a podcast that was like, this is the mental health podcast where things feel, for some reason, there's something about that way of looking at it that feels a little bit more like, I don't want to say medical, but a little bit more intimidating when you're like, let's talk mental health, mental illness, mental, all these things. It's not supposed to be sad, right? It's like when we talk about fitness and wellness, we don't talk about those things. And if you're not doing it, it's sad because, you know, you won't be in shape and that's bad for you, whatever it is. Like the conversation needs to be a little bit looser where people realize that even if they're in a good mental health state, that it's still something that is fragile that you need to take care of. So I started to call the podcast Dinner Party, have conversations with different celebrities and whatnot, people that were athletes, musicians, actors, that would open up about these issues as well, but in a much more loose way. Sometimes the conversations do get a little bit sad. We've had big actors come and talk about suicide and being suicidal. Obviously, those the, that's part of the equation, unfortunately. But it's done in a way where you feel like you're just having a conversation. Not that it's, you know, doctors coming and telling you about like the exact uh, specifics about how it works. I feel like everyone has a different way of coping with these things. It, there's no one formula. Like I'm very pro-medication. Meditation doesn't work for me. Meditation works for other people. You know, who am I to say that there's one way or the other? It's, it's to each their own. So that was kind of the idea of loosely bringing people around these conversations through that. And correlating that to the NFT space with projects like photosynthesis or a PFP a project that actually is in the space is the blue um, flower. Uh, the idea was let's create a project that instead of just giving to mental health charities that really signifies an act of giving to others. You can use your PFP, connect it to our site, and you get to free. You get to mint unlimited free NFT flower bouquets and add a note and send them directly to someone's wallet from the site. So instead of just making it, hey, we're just going to give money, it's like, why don't we take the concept of giving, something that will make people's day, encourage the act before really even trying to go to the top. And, you know, a donation is great, and we're always going to do that, and people should as much as they, they can. But it's not the solution to the problem. It's like, you got to get it at the root. You have to help people understand the mechanisms and, and different things that they can do to help their mental health overall and to help others. So we wanted to launch a project that did just that. Wow. You just said so much that I, there's just so much that I want to ask and follow up with. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being so vulnerable about your mental health situation. Um, I personally um, struggle with anxiety as well. And so that's something that, you know, I'm open to helping with destigmatizing. And I think that that's something that we can all be, you know, very honest and open about and see it as something that's not something that can, you know, make us 
seem weak, but something that we can use to empower others and ourselves as well. And um, I really love the idea of, so your NFT project, you are able to give flowers to other people through the blockchain and you're able to mint it for free and you're able to add a note to it, correct? Could you just tell me more about this process? You said it's a free mint, but you still get secondary sales, correct? So on, for, for probably nothing, um, sorry, for, sorry, for photosynthesis, yes, exactly what you just said. So once we, the PFP, people purchase the PFP upon mint, and then they have the ability to mint completely free, minus gas, but the, the actual flower NFT is free. They could directly go into our site, mint the free NFT, because let's say I want to send you some, Erica. I would go in, connect my, my wallet, it would recognize my PFP. I have a selection of these flower bouquets, different colors, types, and we're constantly adding them. So what happens is that we'll have a bouquet up, we'll have a supply, we'll remove it and put in a new one. They'll always be available, but we make it so that the supply remains to a certain extent limited so people have something of value over time. Um, and so I would go in, I would put your wallet directly, never actually mince to my wallet, it mints directly to yours from the site through mine, which is actually kind of cool. And I think a bit of an underrated technology, because I don't see a lot of people doing that. We can make NFTs directly to other wallets. And the coolest thing is there's a little field to add a note. So I'd say like, you know, let's say you're having a tough time with your anxiety. I'm like, you know, hey, Erica, you know, like things get better, stay strong, whatever it was, right? And I would send it and it would go directly into your wallet. And that note would live in the metadata forever. It can't be changed, can't be removed or anything like that. And if you actually go on OpenSea and you click on the, on the, I believe it's the, it's the description um, of the, it's either, I always mix up details and description. I'm pretty sure it's description. It, the note will appear. So you can actually see it on there, um, which is cool because, you know, on a more, you know, mainstream level, I've talked to musicians being like, hey, why don't you just put like a lyric you know, or something like that, like a really cool lyric that's like one or like a full song and then send that flower to like a charity, right? And then there are going to be people that are going to want to bid on that flower because it's unique and it's from, you know, let's say it was like Alicia Keys or something there. People would love to actually do that and they might want to buy that from that charity at some point. There there could be a, a way to raise money as well in that kind of thing. Like the, the concept at the basis is just the giving, not monetarily or anything like that, but there might be a way to actually monetize and be able to to make money off of that as well for for charities and whatnot. Love that. That's a great idea. And how did the mint go on Mint Day? So we actually ended up selling out. We uh, we our goal originally we were like you know the dreamer in us was like let's do a hundred thousand of these because we want to spread flowers all over the world and it's like you know you, we want to have as many flowers as possible and then we ended up we ended up launching 8888 and we finalized at 4444 so we decided to keep our supply to 4444 we had done a, a free mint for the probably nothing community originally and so what we did is we gave priority access to those people they had gone a free mint and and you know we had su such amazing community with probably nothing that we gave uh, priority for those people on the allow list and then did a public mint and you know it was it was amazing almost every single one of our probably nothing holders actually minted uh, photosynthesis during a bear market. And, you know, it was amazing. Like, I think we were one of the only non-free mints that actually um, minted out. So that, that that was great. I think that for me, 
I, I look at photosynthesis as a longer term play where, you know, from this, like I'd love to, you know, we're, we're in discussions of creating toys around these PFPs, right? Creating toys, creating animated series. The, the mission of giving and helping, I think, is something that would that's a lot bigger than just the NFT project and whatever roadmap we, we want to do in the short term. I think there's something bigger about some, this representing giving and mental health and maybe even finding a way to have this cater to kids, right? Having a way for this to cater to the next generation of people that might get interested in NFTs at a way younger age than we ever could. Because there's, that's going to happen at some point. Like, there's going to be the 12 year old, 11 year old, who knows? I mean, I see like four year olds with fucking iPads. Like, I'm sure there's going to be like some eight year old with an open C. If there, if there isn't already, you know what I mean? There so, already is, definitely is. Right. <laughs> yeah. We probably, they probably have like 3 million in the bank and like some obscure coin that we've never heard of, you know what I mean? So like at some point, like I want that to be able to extend to, to a younger generation, you know, and we, we can educate people the way we do with probably nothing through photosynthesis, but maybe in a more uh, simplified way, if that makes sense. I was just wondering, originally, um, your supply was AAAA. What made you do the decision to do 4444 instead? So, so yeah, originally our supply was 888. And we, you know, we put it out, we didn't oversubscribe our allow list, you know, we told all of our, all of our allowance people, listen, like you have 24 hours, no gas wars, take your time, you literally have 24 hours. People were in the in our discord being like, okay, well, like it was really respectful. People were very smooth. People were like, we'll mint now. You guys mint later. Like we, the gas, I, I remember seeing tweets where people were like minting two of them for like $9 of gas. Like it was like really, I think the highest someone paid for like one of them was like 13 bucks just for one of them. So, you know, we kind of just, we didn't oversubscribe. We got, took care of our community and we went on to the public sale. We kept selling. We hit the, the four, I think we hit like, something like four, three ninety within 24, like right before shy of 24 hours. And we just talked to the community. We're like, listen, like we're confident we can sell this other half. We're going to have to amp up some marketing, maybe do some more spaces, you know, or whatever it is. Do we want to potentially attract people that are just coming in to flip because 50% of it's sold out in 24 hours in a bear market, which is an attractive investment. I can say most of the projects aren't even minting out. Or do we just cut the supply and really reward the people that believed in us and, you know, add more value for those four and a half thousand? And so we just talked to the community and we're like, look, we're going to we're going to fulfill the roadmap regardless. Like the virtual flower shop with the free NFTs was immediately. That's the most expensive part of our roadmap. We we fronted the money for it. So it's not like if we don't mint out, it can't happen. Like we've already delivered it like from day one. So we talked to our community and our community was like, look, we trust where you want to do, but we were like, you know, let's just cut the supply. Let's give more value to these people. Let's not risk getting another half of the holders are just flippers. And again, there's nothing wrong with flippers. I have nothing against it. I, I, I think flippers are fine. But in this case, it was in this market of free NFTs where everyone was like really flipping to make like 30 bucks. Our community was like, hey, we'd prefer just like holding on to these and keeping it tight. So we're like, no problem. We burn them. And then that was it. And then we, we essentially minted out to 4444 within seconds, the remaining like 500 of them. So that was really the decision. I mean, I think we, we would have sold out probably over like four or five days if we kept going. But it just like, you know, we're not again, we're not in it to make that remainder of whatever the money is like that'll allow us to we already have 
you know, an event planned for July 30th. That's a very big event in Los Angeles. We have something planned for New York. We did a meetup already. Like for us, luckily, we are in a position where we are a company first before being an NFT project. And we, you know, we work with with big brands and whatnot. So we have the luxury of being able to um, to do things like that, you know, and, and run ad free on our, like on our Instagram and be able to deliver like news that is unbiased and, and whatnot. So if you're in that position, you can do it. Might as well reward the community. Got it. Well, thank you so much for explaining um, the reason for um, changing the supply. I know that a lot of projects do that. Um, and I know that, you know, during the bear market, things are, you know, a lot more different than usual. And I really agree with your um, take on it being a really good time to build. Some of the best companies um, were built during the bear market as well. And so totally agree with you on that. Sorry, I wanted to ask about your mental health audiobook that you're going to give to holders of photosynthesis. Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking that. So, actually, I already did that, actually. Um, so, I released oh, okay, a, okay. Yeah, yeah, I really, I have a, I have an actual book book coming um, out next year, but I did an ebook slash audiobook with, with a company called Scribd, um, Scribd Originals. And Basically, it's called Do You Know Who I Am? And it's about imposter syndrome in the entertainment industry in, in Hollywood. So there's a double – because a lot of people like read the title and were like, dude, you're such a douche. Like, do you know who I am? And I'm like, well, think about the title. It's about imposter syndrome. So there's a, a double meaning there about like not knowing who you are because, you know, imposter syndrome, for those who don't know, is essentially um, a mental health – it's not quantified – quantified yet as an illness. I think it's just a, a syndrome. It's a technically, it is imposter syndrome, but essentially it's when you believe that you are, you know, the things that you've got earned or, or achieved or whatever it is are, you know, by fooling people that you're not deserving of this or of success or anything like that. And, and it's something that a lot of people have that's not really talked about. So I wrote about that in an ebook, audiobook, um, gave a free copy to, to our holders because it is about mental health. It is available right now actually on Scribd. And I saw that they are offering like a 60 day, I think, free trial that allows you to read it. So it's still accessible without purchasing it, which is awesome that they're doing that. Um, uh, after Mental Health Awareness Month, this came out last month, and they're still doing it, so that's awesome. But yeah, it's about imposter syndrome. I think it's you know it's a nice read. I think it's about forty five minutes to an hour read um, via audio. So yeah, thank you for pointing that out. It sounds like you had so many different things going on in your life and different like places that you're you're managing or creating. Like how do you how do you do that? <laughs> like how do you put all of your attention in these different places and keep them all going? At the same time, bro, I'm highly medicated. <laughs> I literally, I, so I'll tell you this. So before medication, I used to drive and if the light was green, I would have an anxiety attack that it would turn yellow and not know what to do. Like my anxiety was, to, I couldn't go into like elevator doors would open and I, and it was like very internal. So a lot of people around me didn't even realize it because they're like, wait, how, cause I would keep it all inside. Right. So it was so bad. And I think that it literally led to my success because I was always just, you know, constantly 
like able to manage so many different things and think of so many different things at the same time because when you have anxiety, that's what you do. It's like the fear of the unknown. What if I don't do this? What happens if I don't do this? What if this doesn't happen, right? So I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And I think that allowed me to do a lot of things at the same time and constantly have the fear of something not working out. So I was trying more things and putting in so much effort and everything into each thing that it kind of led to success in like a weird twisted way you know, but success at what cost, right? And that's kind of what I, I ended up having to to correct that. Very similar to the market right now. I end up feeling like I need to correct that with medication, with therapy, with psychiatry, and be able to do it in a different way. Now I'm able to take on things in more of an authentic way, not to feed my ego with the fear of losing my self-worth, but now I do things that I love and I'm able to to really focus on those. I still have anxiety. I never want it to go away. I call it my superpower. But, and I don't think it should go away. And people need to learn that it's about learning to live with it and cope with it and not eliminating it completely. So with that said, like, I think it helped me. And now it's more about like, okay, cool. You know, you don't want to die by the time you're like 40. So like, let's be smart about our health because it is a serious thing. And then from there, you know, really prioritize what and be authentic. Because ever since I've been open about this stuff, my career has like blossomed not in like a financial or, or an awards or anything like that way but but just it feels authentic i've never felt more like myself i'm able to have conversations like yeah i have mental health issues and i'm a six foot seven man who grew up in los angeles you know what i mean like i'm able to talk about this like and it's a very rewarding feeling and i'm fortunate to be again a six foot seven straight man who grew up in los angeles that, you know, even though I, I I didn't grow up in the best neighborhood, I actually had a, a relatively interesting childhood, I'm still much more fortunate than a lot of people who struggle with, you know, more inequalities than I did or or whatever it is with, you know, sexual orientation or race, whatever we want to call it. Or and the fact that, you know, truthfully speaking, I grew up as a man, right? Which had its has had its advantages as sad as it is in the world. So I'm able to speak to people that were less fortunate than me and be like, you know, like I'm open about this shit. And like, people are scared of me because I'm fucking six foot seven. Like I got you, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like I'm able to do that. And that, that to me was like how I started feeling the most successful was being able to be authentic. You know, everything else was making me like really depressed. Like I, when I got Forbes 30 out of 30, I was so depressed. It was unbelievable. Like, and it's funny, like the day I got the award, I wanted it since I was 16. And it's not like some like, promotional cool like story that I'm talking about like literally I was so depressed because I was like wait what did I really why did I want this so badly to define me like you sh- you need to have other priorities you know your your health mentally so much. thank you thank you so much Jeremy talks in thank have you so much for one. joining us guys peace Thank you so much again for tuning in to this amazing episode. Make sure to follow for more and subscribe to Web37. Have a great day.